Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark hello folks mark harrington here coming to you from the created equal studios here in columbus ohio with my good friend and colleague seth dreyer our vice president here at created equal and, uh, you know, we have the perfect storm going on right now. There's so many issues colliding right now with COVID. We have the Roe v. Wade or the, the Supreme Court issue uh, coming up with the nomination by President Trump. And then all the rioting, which, again, ignited last night in Louisville, Kentucky, because of the uh, grand jury's decision. So it's just been one of those years, <laughs> 2020. Um, we are going to be talking about Roe versus Wade today. I'm not going to get into the weeds of the decision or the you know possibilities of who's going to be seated on the court and all of that good stuff. We'll leave that for another day. We are going to talk about Roe v. Wade and the lies that Roe v. Wade perpetrated on the American people starting in 1973. But before we do, I just want to bring you up to speed. Our team, as we speak right now today, Seth, is on its road trip, which is in, uh, right now we're visiting Indiana colleges. Uh, we started out at Ball State. This was Monday. We went to Purdue University, Butler. That was yesterday. IUPUI, which is Indiana University, Purdue University. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, there you right. go. I mean, there's one for you. I mean, they, had, they have, maybe you ought to think about it. Uh, it is lovingly known as Ooey Pooey in Indiana. <laughs> Pooey. So. Well, that makes sense. And then on Friday, uh, Indiana University in Bloomington. So uh, our team right now is at IUPUI in Indianapolis. So they've been traveling this week. And uh, we are going to show a clip from there here in the program. But we're going to mostly talk about Roe versus Wade and the lies that it perpetrated on the American people. We're going to debunk those the best we can here on the program today. And the reason for that is that this is going to be an issue. Obviously, this is kind of taken front and center over COVID in many respects. The SCOTUS nomination process with President Trump is kind of eclipsed also the uh, Black Lives Matter and all the riots, even though they just happened again last night. And that's probably going to continue. But it is now really front and center in the election. And the really the reason why I wanted to go uh, and talk about this today with you, Seth, is that it's going to come up in conversations with people at the proverbial water cooler, you know, when you're at work or your colleagues, your friends at church, wherever. And so I thought it'd be a good idea that we you know, kind of go back through a few things, do a little brush up on our pro-life apologetics and deal with some of the basics that Roe v. Wade handed down um, some 47, 48 years ago. 
So real quickly, I'll give you a real quick history. Roe versus Wade handed down in 1973. It was a 7-2 decision. All nine of them were men, ironically, interesting enough. And uh, really just uh, betrayed our sacred uh, commandment, that is, thou shall not murder. Uh, instituted the wholesale slaughter of unborn children. Now some 60 million surgical abortions since 1973. And it trampled on the prized principle of the Declaration of Independence that we're all created equal and that we have fundamental rights and that begins with the right to life. Uh, Associate Justice Harry Blackman was the one who wrote the majority opinion. And what he said in this decision uh, and that's the first question I want to ask or the lie that was perpetrated. And that is that we don't know when life begins. Mm -hmm. Harry Blackman said this in the majority opinion, quote, we need not decide the difficult question of when life begins, unquote. Then he went on to say the word person as used in the 14th Amendment does not include the unborn. Let's talk about personhood second, but let's talk about this issue of when life begins. You know, I've often said that maybe in 1973, you could have given some people the benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. really, when life began. But nowadays, we have all this technology, ultrasound. Anybody that's had a, a you know, pregnancy or children know, you know, they have the picture of the ultrasound of their baby on their, on their refrigerator. I mean, we all should know by now. But back then, I guess we could give them the benefit of the doubt. They, didn't, they said, well, we're not going to deal with the scientific issue when life begins. That's not for us to decide. So that's the first lie of Roe versus Wade, that we don't know when life begins. Why is that a lie? Well, it's just absurd. I mean, so there's many problems with this. And like you said, first of all, let's maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. But now forward decades later, today we have abortion advocates, leading abortion advocates who admit we all know when life begins. Right. We have Peter Singer who wrote Practical Ethics, and he's a you know a leading champion of the left. He's a bioethicist at Princeton University. Mm -hmm. In his book, he's very clear. He says, we can say with certainty that an embryo conceived from human sperm and eggs is a human being. Katha Pollitt, who's more of a popular level pro-abortion leader in her book, Pro, she says, undoubtedly, a fertilized egg is a human, and it's alive in the sense it exists. So even if we could say Blackman didn't know then, we clearly know today when life begins. But as you said, he was just, he was, I think, deceptive, mm -hmm. because he said that we need not resolve the difficult question wow. when those in the fields of medicine, theology, philosophy can't agree. We, we, we just don't know. Right. And that's the first big problem here. It's a categorical error. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk a lot at Create Equal about the questions we have to ask. Is the preborn human? Are we all created equal? There's a scientific question there and a philosophical or religious one, the right. idea of equality. But when life begins, that's a purely scientific question. Blackman right. should not have appealed to philosophy or religious leaders when asking when life begins. He wasn't asking an embryological question. And it's just good science today to say we know when life begins. It begins when sperm and egg come together. We have a distinct, living, whole human being. That's what we see in embryology. And as you said, with the uh, ultrasounds, embryoscopies we have today, it's very clear human life begins at fertilization. That's not religious dogma. It's just good science. You know, the interesting thing is, Seth, as you know, that uh, Christians, conservatives, get accused of being anti-science, especially right now with COVID. They say, oh, you're, you're anti-science. Uh, we get accused of being anti-science because we don't believe in, you know, uh, climate change and stuff like that. But it's really the other side, pro-aborts, who don't believe in science. They're still denying it even to this day, 
to to some degree. They say that they don't know when life uh, begins. Therefore, we should have the right to kill the baby. Yeah. Which, you know, Ronald Reagan said, basically, if you're going to err on the side, you err on the side of life. If you don't right. know if it's life or if the baby is alive or not, that you want to err on the side of life. And uh, unfortunately, they say, well, we don't know when life begins. So we should be able to kill the baby. Uh, the second lie of Roe v. Wade was that they were non-persons mm -hmm. and not protected by the 14th Amendment that says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. They said that the word person or the phrase, the term person does not apply to the unborn. That really is the crux of the argument right now, even after, what, 50 years uh, since Roe. There's no question. Um, and just to before we get deeper into personhood, to piggyback one more statement on that first idea of we don't know when life begins. For those who are watching, you know that what we do at Created Equal is to engage the culture. And so we want everyone who's watching to be able to go engage in these dialogues. And there's a very simple thing you can do when you talk to someone who says, well, there's no scientific evidence. We were just at the Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. Course, yes. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to students who said, you know, we don't know when life begins. And I gave them quotes from embryology and other scientists saying when life begins. And they said, well, that's just propaganda. So what you can do is just say, well, what evidence do you have? Right. And they just were silent because there is no scientific evidence at all suggesting the human fetus is not a human. So that's just silly. But onto this question of personhood, I think we have right. to look at this in the historical context. Throughout human history, we've been good at a couple of things. One of those things we're very good at is when someone is in our way or has something we want, we kill them. We can see this throughout time and history, and we justify ourselves in doing this by calling them non-persons. And we can look at um, the Nazi Holocaust. When the court of the German Empire said the Jewish person, the Jewish human, I'm sorry, is not a person, you can look in America, um, George Canfield, the American Law Review, 1881, he says that we believed the Native American was not a person in the eye of the law. Today we say the embryo is not a person. So sure, you can claim she's not a person, but you have to see this in the historical context. You are joining forces with those who strip personhood away from humans merely because they're different from you. That's prejudicial and that's wrong. So that's the second lie of Roe v. Wade that uh, the unborn are non-persons and not protected by the 14th Amendment. Uh, the first one is we don't know when life begins. Uh, let's move to the, the, to the third one, uh, Seth, and that is the right to privacy, uh, which, you know, they made up this so-called right to privacy extending to reproductive issues. Uh, you know, there is a right to privacy in, you know, in the, uh, the Fifth Amendment that protects against illegal searches and seizures and so forth. So they've extended that. They extended that. To, to protect a woman's right to an abortion. Uh, so they made it up. They made it up, the right to abortion from the right to privacy. And they found this in the penumbras of the, uh, of the ruling, or, or I'm sorry, in the, uh, of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Penumbras means a shadow, basically. In other words, they made it up out of thin air. Uh, this right to privacy has led to this argument from the pro-abortion side my body, my mm. rights, my choice. Mr. Producer, if you would, this is a clip from yesterday at Butler University where we had uh, some protesters from the school come out 
and make that very case. If you would, cue that, that video. Again, this is a protest of Created Equal at Butler University. There you go. You can go ahead and end it there. You know, it's interesting. First of all, they say my campus, which is not. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, they they probably don't pay a penny to go there. (laughs) I'm sure either their parents do or the government's paying them or they're getting some kind of assistance or (laughs) or, right. Something. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) This isn't a private social club. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I love that one. I also love that it was led by a man. You know, Which is like least, Roe v. Wade, right? Led by men. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. are we sure? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess nowadays we're not. You're not supposed to say today. <laughs> but it was led by men. My body, my rights, yeah. my choice. It's still the mantra of the pro-abortion movement even today. A lie from Roe versus Wade that talked about the right to privacy and a woman's right to choose. Well, it just begs the question, right? I mean, you have the right to the privacy in your own home, but does that mean you have the right to kill someone in the privacy of your own home? Absolutely right. not, because right. your child, your toddler at home is a human being. You should not kill her even in the privacy of your house. So if the fetus is a human, it's wrong to kill her, even if you have this right to privacy. So women's right to choose. I always ask them, choose what? Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's ironic that if, if the video showed the unborn photo or the photo of the unborn uh, being killed by abortion, uh, they never want to finish the, the sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> choose what? Choose to kill a baby? Oh, okay, now I get it. No one has the right to do that. So that's number three. Number one, we don't know when life begins. Number two, the unborn are non-persons, therefore not protected by the 14th Amendment. And number three, the right to privacy protects a woman's right to choose. Number four, let's do that one. Uh, abortion is safer than childbirth. That was another hmm. finding of the uh, Supreme Court because they said the, right, the, the states have a right to protect life. And they said because of that, you know, it, and abortion is safer than childbirth. Therefore, we're going to allow for abortion. Uh, therefore, abortion needs to be safe and legal. And we hear that even today, safe, legal, and of course, President uh, Clinton said rare. Not anymore. It's no longer rare, but safe and legal because abortion is safer than childbirth. Well, this the question, again, we go back to, it's begging the question, safer for whom? Okay, so right. let's say we grant for the moment it's safer for the mother. There's a great debate to have there. But what about the human who is dismembered, decapitated, disemboweled? Surely this is not safe for that little person. So again, if we're dealing with a human, abortion is undoubtedly less safe because not only is a child poss- being born, the child is being dismembered and killed. It's not safe, it's killing and killing an innocent human being on purpose is simply wrong. Amen. And Mr. Producer, if you would have put up the uh, the speaker's page, folks, if you're listening to the sound of our voices here or watching us on our social media platform, Seth and I are open to speaking at your church, your small group. We'll speak at your uh, pregnancy center banquet, right to life issue, you know, marches, all kinds of things. If you go to our web page we we deal with a lot of issues here uh with our speaking uh ministry we deal with several topics as well judicial tyranny which we're talking about today uh being a pro-life defender which is pro-life defender 101 i think is the name of it uh Mm, basically (laughs) and other things the use of abortion victim photography and so forth so if you want to invite one of us to come and speak 
at your church or whatever event, we'd love to be. Uh, we'd love to come, and you can check us out at createdequal.org. All right. So number four. Let's see. Number five here. Uh, it's it's interesting that Norma McCorvey, mm-hmm. right, who is the center of the entire Roe v. Wade decision, Norma Corey, which is the Jane Roe of the Roe versus Wade decision, uh, lied about how she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. She said she was raped. That's not true. Uh, she also didn't never had an abortion, which is very interesting. But it brings up the issue of rape. Rape and incest is often used as a reason to justify abortion. Is it right? Well, there are a lot of things to unpack there. And that's the one they, they try to yeah. pin us down on mm-hmm. right away, right? They go to the extreme argument, rape and incest abortions. Yeah, they stick you on that. I mean, what try if, to, yeah. I mean, if you, oftentimes we ask someone on the street, what if I were to say for the sake of argument, I would allow abortion in the case of rape or incest, which is less than 1% of all abortions. I don't agree with it, but what if for the sake of argument, I said it's okay. Would you say all other abortions, the 99% of them are wrong? And they always mm-hmm. say, well, no, no, I want all abortions. So then, well, let's talk about the other situations, not these these minorities. But we do want to be prepared to talk about rape and incest. And Mark, you and I agree that injustice is wrong and that includes injustice against the mother and so we want the man who did this to be punished we don't believe in punishing victims and that's what i think is central to this years ago i saw this story shocking in saudi arabia a woman was raped and she was punished for the rape and i thought that is asinine Mm -hmm. you don't punish victims you punish victimizers so if we agree the man should be punished not the mother the question is what about that third human are they a victim or victimizer I would argue the baby's a victim of the rape as well. The mom's the primary victim, undoubtedly, but the baby is entering a world in which she is not going to have the life that she ought to have. Her father will hopefully be in jail, her biological father. She is going to be underprivileged in ways because of this. She's a victim of the situation. So we don't punish the mom. We don't punish the baby either. You punish the man. And even if someone said, well, we should punish the baby, think about this. How is it fair the man gets a few years in jail. The baby, who's another victim, secondary mm-hmm, victim, gets mm-hmm, capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Explain that one to me. Mm-hmm. Especially those of you who oppose capital punishment, you want to allow it for this innocent vic- secondary victim. It seems undoubtedly false to me. So we want to have love and compassion for mothers who've been victimized. But killing the baby is not the answer. Our good friend and colleague Scott Klusenworth calls it trot- trotting out the toddler, right? Yeah. Trotting out the toddler. And he basically, you want to compare the the born to the preborn, born to the preborn. And if you ask the question, if a born person should be killed, who was a result of being conceived of rape, they would say no. Right. I mean, right. Every time, right? Absolutely. So there's no difference really between the born and the preborn other than age. And that's our case here at Created Equal. We believe abortion is ageism, the worst kind of discrimination, which is killing, not just bigotry. I mean, it's the worst kind of bigotry. And that is actually systematically killing millions of them a year. But we would never kill a born child who was conceived in rape. Therefore, we should not uh, kill an unborn child conceived in rape. So that's number five. Number six and final one here we got time for. And that is the the court took a neutral uh, uh, position and made abortion a choice between a woman and her doctor. Uh, We've kind of dealt with that with the uh, my body, my rights, my choice a little bit. But was Roe v. Wade neutral? 
Well, that's again, Blackman said, we need not resolve this difficult question. We're going to punt that for right. a while. But they did resolve it. Of they course. said the embryo, the fetus inside a mother, is not the kind of being that deserves protection. Right. That is to say, she is not a human person. So they took a not a neutral, a very radical position saying that mothers may kill their embryos or fetuses. And that is not neutral. That's not neutrality. Really, in all of this, we like to try to be, you know, the middle company. People want to find middle ground. And it's important right. to find common ground. But when it comes to should the government protect humans or not, there is a two there are two choices here. Either the government protects you under the law or does not. When it comes to the fetus and embryo, they've decided not to protect them and to say you may kill them. Not neutrality. It's not neutrality. It's interesting that. Uh... If we were to apply this to, say, the issue of race or slavery or African-Americans and we say, well, if we removed all protections, let's say today on African-Americans, guess what would start happening again? Probably uh, they'd be lynched. They'd be you know, killed. Uh, you dehumanize. You remove protections of personhood. The slaughter inevitably begins right after that. Yes. So it's not neutral to say, oh, the government's going to stay out of it. They didn't stay out of it. They sided on the side against the unborn. Um, so Roe v. Wade was not a neutral decision. It didn't leave the decision up to the woman and her doctor. Uh, even now, Seth, as we see the advent and the increased use of the abortion pill, the doctor's not even in the equation half mm -hmm. the time, right? Right. I mean, that's what we're seeing now. It's the, the women can order the pill virtually over online. I mean, that's where we're going. So there's no more of this so-called consultation between the doctor and the woman anyway. Uh, it, at least almost 40% of the abortions now are done by pill abortions. So that's even another argument against that position that the, there's no consultation happening anyway. Right. This is just all about autonomy. Again, back to that, what we saw, the man yeah. saying, my body, my choice. He sees no conflict saying that because he believes Every human being has absolute 100% autonomy, whether you're a man or a woman, to do what you want with your body. But that's patently false. Yep. We all know my right to swing my arm ends when I hit you in the face. A woman's right to her body, she has that right and should have that right, but it ends when she harms someone else. If that person's inside or outside her body, there are limits to your autonomy. All right, so let's review the five lies or six. We got to six of them. So. There are many <laughs> lies. Let me count the ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the six lies of Roe versus Wade that we don't know when life begins. That's been debunked, obviously, very uh, with all the technology. The right to privacy protects a woman's right to choose. Choose what? Choose mm -hmm. to kill an unborn child. Number three, the unborn are non-persons, not protected by the 14th Amendment. Obviously, we can prove that they are and they do deserve legal personhood. Number four, abortion is safer than childbirth. Therefore, abortion needs to be safe and legal. Uh, we already dealt with that one. Rape and incest abortions should be a valid reason for abortion. And then the court took a neutral per, uh, position, which they didn't. All right, uh, Seth, we got a couple minutes here if you want to. Let's wrap this up. If you could speak to our audience here as a pro-life apologist who travels the country training young people on how to debate abortion in the public square. Uh, leave us with some parting words, exhort us to go out and continue to fight the fight, especially right now. I mean, right now we are seeing, like I said before, the perfect storm. President Trump's gonna likely gonna get on the court another justice, a third justice in his presidency. Uh, this is hot. 
this is white hot, this debate right now in America. We need to be ready. Yeah, we can take the the wrong position would be to look at this and say, you know, there's some advances happening. We might get a, a point to you on the court and say, so I can just take a step back now and let this ride this out. That is the wrong position to take. There has never been, in my opinion, a better time, as you no. said, because it's white hot. Everyone is talking right now about rights and what is right, what is wrong, the morality of things. And we're talking about uh, when we talk about black lives matter. Yes, they do. Why do they matter? Because black lives are human lives and human lives matter. So there has never been a better time to dig into this. But also, I think a lot of Christians feel very concerned right now about being perceived as being on the non-loving side. Mm. And that's the greatest tactic of the enemy, that those who stand with killing little people are seen as loving today. I still just can't wrap my mind around that. When you look at an abortion image and see what abortion does, there's no question that the loving side is the one that says, stop, don't do this. So to anyone right now, just I would say, remember, it is so simple. Our case is so clear. Resources are on our website, all of our videos showing minds actually changing. You can do this too, if you just have the courage to go out in the square and share this very simple truth of what abortion does. You can reach hearts and change minds. Well, Seth, thanks for being on the program, folks. We'll see you next time. You can find out more about the program by going to markharrington.org or find out about Created Equal by going to createdequal.org. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America, bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil Evil. plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to the Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.